Welcome back to Customer Success Talks, Real Challenges Experts Advice. Today, we will cover overcoming challenges in the customer success job market. Although we will not focus on how to perform in an interview, we will focus more into how to be seen as a good candidate, or even let's go higher, the perfect candidate. Today, we have two amazing guests with us, Katrina Kulgemeyer and Carly Agar both with years of experience, and on one side, Katrina gone through this process of trying to find a job, which she has done, and congratulations to you, Katrina. On the other side, we have Carly with a lot of years of experience in career coach. Also, we're going to talk about Carly's Customer Success Career Accelerator, which might benefit you as well. We will touch three main challenges. How to find a job in which you can bring a lot of value. Second, how to highlight your achievements in your CV, and third, how to avoid burnout. Plus more, we're going to go through strategies and some tips that I need you to stay here with us so you can listen to it. So please sit down, relax, and let me ask you, are you ready? Let's get the conversation started. Today, we're going to focus on overcoming common challenges in the customer success job market. And before we introduce our guests, Naf, let me introduce you first, because I'm wondering how's everything so far in Sydney since the last time we spoke. And what time is it over there right now? It is 9 p.m. I have had uh, a really great dinner, so I'm nice and energized for this uh, topic. And it's one that's um, always very, very uh, on top of mind for me, especially having um, managed and hired a lot of CSMs in uh, space, as well as obviously applying for a lot of jobs as well. So I'm um, very excited to be unpacking this with uh, our guest today. And, and How um, are you, Aaron? I'm, I'm all good. Like weather here, summer is kicking in. Uh, it's amazing. The, the weekend was really hot, but I, I will not complain because I will miss it in like one or two months. Okay. I think that Katrina will, will rely with me on that. But but Nav, it's, it's nice to have you here, like like always, but today, like the perspective that you're going to bring is more like in the being part of the interviews process, because you have been hiring customer success in the future, right? I mean, in the past. Absolutely. Yeah. I've uh, I've done a lot of hiring. I've done a lot of uh, work with a lot of recruiters, a lot of internal hiring teams um, to a point where you kind of just start to build this gut feeling around um, uh, when you see a resume, what you are looking out for to, to make sure that you're not wasting their time or your time. So um, I'm really interested in seeing what the uh, perspective of the other side of this is going to be, because <laughs> sometimes I wonder if my gut feeling might be just uh, um, uh, an upset stomach. <laughs> well, we're going we're gonna to know that once this ends. Let's see. And one of the guests that we have here, Nav, is um, Katrina, Katrina Kulgermeyer. And Katrina, so you started your customer success journey actually in real estate in Philadelphia before actually moving to Berlin uh, in March of 2023. So you don't have even one year of being here in Germany. And um, I had the pleasure, not yet to meet you in person, I hope soon, but I had the pleasure to and the honor to to talk to you and network with you. So it has been amazing. Now we are here recording an episode. Thank you so much for that. And you have over seven years of building strong customer relationships, improving onboarding processes, and being a trusted advisor to your customers. Actually, you took your customer success obsession to Berlin, to the Berlin community, which it's big. There's a lot of customer success managers in Berlin. And you, with uh, CS Connect, where you uh, organize events, actually, 
with customer success professionals to gather, to have to, to talk about some interesting topics and also to grow and share experiences. And besides that, you also contribute with the CS Insiders B Weekly Newsletter. So, Katrina, welcome to the episode. How are you today? Thanks, Baron. I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate being on here. I'm very excited to be here, too. It's an honor to have you here, Katrina. Nav, would you like to introduce our next guest? Absolutely. And our next uh, guest today is Carly um, Agar. Yeah. I'm saying that right? Yeah, yeah perfect. Yeah, nailed it. Amazing. <laughs> With a decade of experience in the world of CS and uh, considered a top five influencer in customer success by Success Coaching and the founder of uh, the Customer Success Career Accelerator, which um, provides uh, support for people to land customer success jobs and make the transition into customer success as quickly and simply as possible. Uh, Carla, you've done some amazing things uh, in the CS world and uh, obviously now bringing that uh, knowledge to help others. Um, be just as successful as well. Can you give our listeners an idea of how you help people in their job search? Yeah, thanks, Nav. I'm excited to be here. So the way that I describe the way that we help job seekers is in two different ways. So one, we help with the marketing and positioning of their skills and experience. So if you are a career transitioner like Katrina, we're going to take a really detailed look at all the things you've done in your career. We're going to figure out exactly how that translates to customer success. And then we're going to enable you to then go and market that experience on things like your resume and your interviews. So that's one aspect. And then the second aspect is enabling job seekers to really navigate the customer success job market that we find ourselves in right now. One that is oversaturated with a lot of really, really talented candidates. A lot of customer success folks have never had to navigate a crowded job market before. So we teach our clients how to network and just how to stand out so that they can make that, that job happen quickly given the market conditions that's amazing and i'm sure there are a lot of people out there who'd be um um just jumping on opportunities like that so um anyone who's interested in in getting some help uh with their job search or struggling or even just you know just want some advice on um the best sort of approach if you've got a lot of offers that are being thrown at you which ones are the best to look out for um, i i suggest uh, reaching out to carly Customer success has changed over time. I, I, can, I can imagine that finding a job uh, a couple of years ago has changed to what, how we find a job now in customer success. And it's nowadays, it's not even enough to have a, a open to work on LinkedIn or to apply to any role that says customer success manager. Things change. And today we're going to focus on how to secure interviews rather than how to perform during the interviews. And I want to hear your opinion about this, Katrina, because I found really valuable networking nowadays in customer success. And I feel that this is a tool, a superpower, a talent that you have when it comes to networking with all the interactions that you have with all of those amazing people out there. So can you give us your your experience with networking? All, how valuable has this been for you? Yeah, um, for me, networking has been absolutely key. And um, I started doing this really early on. And again, this is something that Carly's really good at explaining 
and breaking it down so it makes sense and how to do it in a strategic way. So um, it's helped me also particularly moving to another com another country. So I started, I'll just use that as an example. I started now working in Berlin before I got here because I knew that once I got here, you know, boots on the ground, I was going to be just all over the place in a good way. So I made a bunch of connections with people and um, had coffee chats with them. I figured out, you know, people were very generous with their time. They um, had coffee chats with me. They told me about various Slack groups, told me about different groups that were meeting up. And although I couldn't do physical meetups, I connected with all those people that were part of the meetups and they were very warm and welcoming. And so once I got here, I literally met up with those people and those connections, every single one of them. And I think that made a huge difference because people, you know, it, it goes along with what Carly talks about, the visibility and the credibility. So people are meeting you face to face, there's credibility. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not just talking to them about the weather. We had serious conversations about CS and CS in, in Germany, CS in Berlin, CS in Europe, and all of this kind of snowballed. And then um, this also opens up other doors and opportunities uh, where people were asking me to partake in, um, for example, CS Connect and being the chapter lead for that in Berlin, which allowed me to also. I mean, I was I was heading that up and was able to um, make connections that way and got in with a, a great group of people that have been incredibly supportive and their wealth of information and everybody is incredibly generous with their time. So there's that component of it from a, a moving from an international situation. And then there's the component of uh, when, you know, LinkedIn is also a huge way to meet people. So don't be shy. If you don't want to post on LinkedIn, then that's okay. Then you can write comments on LinkedIn and, um, share what your knowledge, share what you know from your experience with your previous situations, for example. And you can build up that way. And people do see you and people do recognize you. And that's, um, how I got to meet Stino, who, I will be working with at Whale and, um, you know, we met through LinkedIn and continued that um, relationship and, you know, there was the job opening and bam, there you go. Amazing. Um, thanks for that, Katrina. Yeah, um, I think I think networking is extremely important. So, um, a lot of the times I go to these networking uh, events, and as a person who hires CSMs, one of the reasons I go is to meet the talents uh, that is available out there. Because you know, it's it's a much easier way to just reach out. Um, or when you post a job on LinkedIn, they already know you, they already talk to you, and they uh, apply for those jobs as well. So, one of the challenges, uh, especially in the uh, um, job market and customer success is uh, understanding what your um, worth is and what you're going to be bringing it um, from a value perspective as a CSM to the uh, organization. And that covers both sides. So, so, you know, what you want to try and highlight in the resume as well as what you want to try and cover off in the interview process to make sure that you as an individual, as a the CSM, you can convey the value that you can bring to that organization. So Katrina, what advice would you give to CSM seeking roles that align with their skills, background and needs? Yeah, I think that you need to be super clear on um, what you are looking for in your role. So um, understand how you're going to translate the role that you just 
had into CS terms that make sense and um, being very clear on your own values as well and make sure that where you're going to be, uh, where you're looking is aligned with your own values. For example, do you value transparency, growth, diversity, making sure that all these things are all aligned, um, I think is super duper important. And yes, make sure that you have an excellent resume. I do highly recommend that if you're going to have somebody do your resume, um, that that person understands CS or has been in CS or knows, you know, what they're talking about, because it doesn't really make sense to have somebody who's never done the job actually do a resume for a job that they're not entirely, you know, confident in or understand what people are looking for. So, um, yeah, I think that's incredibly important to make sure that whoever's doing your resume, they understand the job and it's going to translate well. Uh, understanding, you know, do you want also a startup? Do you want to work corporate? Are you the first hire of CS uh, on the team? Is it a big team, little team? Location? Do you want flexibility? Do you want remote, hybrid? So all of those are questions that I think you have to be able to answer and um, be honest about your answers when you are doing your job search and trying to, uh, you know, make sure that you have all of your ducks lined up in a row. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. Um, touching on resumes, is a funny story. I had a resume once sent to me with uh, their track changes still in it. So I could see all the comments <laughs> that whoever had um, put in there um, before. And it was quite a funny read. Um, and as you can imagine, that person did not get the job. So uh, it's really important to make sure that you're presenting yourself in the mm -hmm. best light possible when you send that resume across, because that is literally the first point of contact. Can I, I want to add something there, Nev, if that's okay. So Absolutely. a lot of times... Job seekers really focus on the the physical things that they're putting out into the market, like their resume, right? But I think what a lot of job seekers don't realize is that the way that you behave, the actions that you take are a lot louder <laughs> to a hiring manager or a recruiter. So if you're sending a resume in that still has comments on it, it's not necessarily that the resume has comments that makes the hiring manager think, well, you know, this isn't necessarily someone we want to talk to. It's the lack of attention to detail. And if you don't have attention to detail, you're not going to be a great CSM. So your behaviors throughout the process can say a whole lot more about you as a candidate than the physical things that you're putting out there. Yeah, absolutely. I had a CSM candidate once show up 30 minutes late to uh, an interview. Yeah. And, um, you know, when I when I think about that as a client facing role, right, and uh, the idea that, you know, if a client's sitting there waiting for 30 minutes for a CSM to show up, that's not very good. Right. And the interview, obviously, you would take a lot more seriously than a client meeting, I would imagine. So um, it really tells it really kind of tells you what sort of uh, mm -hmm. um, a candidate that's going to end up being. Um, actually, now that you're talking, Carly, I've got a question for you as well. I want to I want to. Oh, add, sorry, Baron. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to add here that. Um, because we, we will talk about the about the importance of CV in a couple of minutes. So if you're listening to this, stay here with us because more is coming. But um, I want to add here that you have to remember that a lot of the time in, in a day is going to be working, right? And if you're not comfortable in the place that you're working, it's going to make it hard for you 
and for the team that you're working with. So that's why that the first step is to find what value you can bring to the company and what is behind it. It's not only about the product. It's not only about the salary, which are, yes, they are important, but there's more behind it. So that's why sometimes um, when we are looking for a job, it's important to always stay focused and stay with a mind fresh because we might, we might jump into, into some sections that are going to caught our attention and we're going to forget how important it's the culture, how important is that they treat you, what opportunities do they have uh, when it comes for you to growth in the future. Absolutely. Um, I've worked in a couple of uh, organizations where the culture was very toxic and um, the pay was very good. And I have in my past taken massive pay cuts to leave an environment like that because my day-to-day was just unbearable. So um, it's always worthwhile doing your own back channeling sometimes a little bit to make sure that um, what you're being sold is not uh, snake oil. <laughs> Carly, um, so to add on to this uh, uh, challenge, or I guess the um, insight into this challenge, what would you add in terms of how uh, to find roles that align best with the skills, background, and needs of the candidates? Yeah, so I'm going to focus primarily on the needs of the candidate, because I think this is the most commonly overlooked by candidates. And I don't really hear a lot of people talking about this. So I think it it can be very difficult for candidates. So when you're thinking about, you know, potentially joining a new employer, I always say start with a lot of self-reflection. If you don't have self-awareness, you're never going to know what team or company or culture or processes are going to work for you in the long run. So even though you might be really excited about the product, if the way that the team functions does not match up with what you need to feel successful or to feel engaged, it's not going to be the right fit. So you really have to be super self-aware. And I'll give some examples just from my own experience in having multiple CSM jobs over the years. So for me, one thing that I've learned is I don't love processes. I like some processes because I like to have structure and purpose to what I'm doing. But if every single thing that I'm expected to do in my day-to-day is following a process, I get really bored. I need to have some sort of creativity, some sort of ownership over the things that I'm doing. So for me, when when I'm interviewing for a job, I'm going to interview that company and I'm going to try to figure out, does this team just, are they just following playbooks all day long, every single day? Do they have creative liberty to kind of run their book of business the way that they want to? Because if they're boxed into process after process after process, I know that while I might like that role for a couple months, I'm going to get really bored really quick and I'm going to want to leave. Another thing that I hear so frequently from folks is, you know, I've just, our company doesn't really have good data. We don't, we don't keep track of things. I don't really know how I'm performing because we don't have the data. And that can be really hard for someone to stay motivated if you are someone who's motivated by your impact. So if I was at a company where there was no data around how my contributions helped or didn't help or impacted something, that would be really hard for me to stay motivated. So I'm asking in my interviews, 
what kind of data do your CSMs have to understand their performance? What, what data points are you looking at to know if that person is on track or not? Um, so it really starts with knowing yourself and the things that you need to feel happy, successful, motivated, supported, all of those things. And then you need to ask those questions in your interviews. That's actually a very interesting point because um, it's something that uh, I incorporate into my interview process as well. Um, when I was interviewing for CSMs a very long time ago, uh, CSM roles for a very long time ago, and it was, um, you know, what are the KPIs, first of all? And mm-hmm. also, how often are your CSMs hitting those KPIs? Because it kind of gives you an understanding of um, whether it's it's a, it's a you know, a goal that you can't reach because if, mm-hmm. if, there, if there's only one or two that are hitting it in a team of 10, then, you know, you're kind of probably going to be set up to potentially fail in that, in that environment, mm-hmm. which you, you, you know, you, you invest so much time, you, you jump into a company and you, you put everything you have behind it. And then six months later, it's just not working out. And then you have to start this process all over again. Right. So, okay. um, yeah, asking those right questions during that process. And this is where, um, it's actually, um, something that is very telling as well. When you, when, uh, when I'm interviewing CSMs for, um, roles that I'm hiring for, when I ask them if you have any questions and they say no, that's a red flag to me Ooh, right away. That makes me <laughs> so happy to hear from the other end because, and Katrina can attest to this. One of the huge things that we focus on with our clients is asking the right questions of the right interviewer. So you're not going to ask a you know potential colleague the same question that you would a hiring manager, the same question that you would a CEO. Um, so we're very intentional about the questions that we ask in our interviews for that very reason. Or it's also, also funny when you know that they've got a list of questions and they ask it, even though you've already answered those questions during the interview process. Mm. It's also quite funny as well. So being yeah. able to adapt, and these are all things you know I look out for in a client-facing role because I, I expect you to be able to adapt with what's happening in the in the meeting. And yeah. sometimes you throw a little curveball to see how you know how they try to. And it's again like there's never a right or wrong answer, right? It's just being able to to answer the right way. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm wondering if there if, is there a a good number of questions that we should have at least no more than three no more than two five i want to hear nav's answer i usually tell i usually tell candidates to have five prepared uh you probably won't get to ask all five questions but you should always have at least five ready yeah i'd say i'd say four or five is max um i always love it when there's a question that is very much relevant to what we just discussed during that meeting as well it makes me really really happy to know that they've been listening and thinking about what we've been talking about through that process but um i've also had uh, uh candidates that have asked me like 12 to 15 questions and after a while it's just like all right like let's you know <laughs> these are all questions that if you get the job <laughs> you can worry about then right Yeah. Well, I think that also speaks to their customer facing ability, right? If you can't read the room, asking 12 or 15 questions is, I don't know if inappropriate is the right word, but it it doesn't lend itself really to a conversation. At that point, it's just them firing questions at you. So I think that shows a lack of a skill that you were probably looking for. Especially when it's Friday at 4 p.m. and, uh, you're keeping me, keeping me, you know, <laughs> late in the office yeah. <laughs> answering questions yeah. about a role. And if, you're, and if you're running overtime, that's a big thing. Time management on calls. But th- there's also something important because there, there are some interviews that are first like introduction with the HR person, then with the leaders of customer success. 
right? So the questions mm -hmm. will change. Do you agree? Or yes. should we always ask same questions for one and the other? No, they should definitely differ depending on the audience. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Another challenge that customer success professionals who are looking for a job faces is like how to organize the CV, how to highlight the background that they have and how to even um, um, be the first one selected when it comes to uh, interviewing, right? So because I feel that the CV is the paper that shows the recruiters your background. It's like your story. We all are books, right? We all have different stories in the CV. It's one of, it's the first introduction, the first moment of truth that they will have with us. So Katrina, I'm wondering um, how your CV has evolved since you begin searching for a job. Now, I mean, now you have your job, congrats. Everything that you have done has worked, but how did it change from the beginning into now? Yeah, no, thank you. Um, yeah, the first CV was very elementary, I'm going to say, compared to what it ended up being. And it had a few um, a few uh, iterations of itself and just kept getting better. And ultimately, uh, as part of um, the Accelerator program, they are very good at helping you revise your C CV to be stellar. And this was what I did. And um, as I've told Carly many times that my CV has had the most extensive Hollywood facelift it has ever seen, a successful <laughs> Hollywood facelift it has ever seen. So, um, and it's just about really nailing down your experience, your past experience, and being able to put it into CSM terms. And that includes, you know, data points, you know, what it's not just, oh, I took care of these daily tasks, you know, how many, how did it affect it? Where, where did you save money or where did you save time, et cetera, et cetera. So you get into some really nitty gritty. Going back to what I had originally said is if you're going to, uh, hire someone to do your CV, uh, then you better make sure that they know what they're talking about. If you feel confident in, in doing your CV, then I kudos to you because I think it's, it's a monumental task, but it certainly can be done. And um, again, based on my experience uh, with Carly, she had excellent uh, classes with information about how to do that. And she posts a lot about it. So there's, you know, information all over the internet. There's other people that, you know, you can tap into as well. So you just have to be resourceful. One thing that I always remind my clients is you got to step away from your resume for a minute and come back to it and just read it line by line and just ask yourself, what, what am I trying to get across with this sentence? Why is this here? What do I want the other person to take away from this? If you don't have an answer for that, it, it's probably it probably shouldn't even be in there or it needs to be reworded because if there's no purpose to it, it's just taking up valuable space. Yeah. My wife and I read each other's resumes and uh, she is brutal <laughs> with mine. So, uh, you know, sometimes I get really, um, really upset about the things that she says. I'll step away and I'm like, yeah, all right, fair enough. I'll change that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's really, really good to just have somebody else read through it as well, just to make sure that the tone and what you're trying to say is actually coming across properly. Definitely. Right. Carly, and what what will be the key, or what's the key to show to showcase achievements on CV? What recommendations do you have? Because 
I heard, and maybe uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, big companies, they have a system that filters CVs based on some important words that they're looking for. So um, what keys, what advice do you have to showcase achievements? Yeah, so we could uh, we could talk about ATSs, and I, I think people have, there's a lot of myths out there about ATS systems, and it's not true 100% of the time that your resume is just being filtered off of keywords. But what I will say is, if you are including a list of skills in your resume to game the ATS system to try to match some keyword criteria, that's fine. But if your resume does not then prove how you have those skills, you have just lost all of your credibility and you will not be considered for an interview. So if I am... Let's say I'm coming from education where I've never retained paying customers before. Educators have a ton of transferable skills. It's one of my favorite transitions into customer success. But if you've not in your role ever retained revenue, then you better not be putting revenue retention as one of your skills bullets. Because then when someone goes to read through your experience, they're going to say, wait a second. You're claiming to have this skill, but you're not actually proving to me that you have the skill and explaining your experience. So now I don't trust you. And now I think everything here is a lie and you just included it here to game the ATS system. So if you can't prove it, don't put it on there. You know, um, and this might sound like a brag, but if you think about how much work goes into this, you will realize that this is absolutely not a brag. But I've looked through so many resumes that I've gone to a point where I read, I probably like somewhat thoroughly read the first um, and second, potentially even the third job that you've got listed in your um, resume. And then everything else that I skim through. And for the most part, I skim through to see, uh, see specific things that I expect a CSM who's applying for the job that I posted um, has in that in that uh, level, and so if you can't present that clearly in in your bullets right away, um, chances are that you've you've pretty much reduced that chance of uh, getting an interview by like an exponential uh, amount. And um, when you say um, checking ATS uh, systems, I actually knew a guy who used to do this uh, crazy crazy stunts where he would put every keyword that you can think of in size one white font and the top mm-hmm. left uh, oh, uh, header and that. then PDF it. And so every ATS would pick it up. And the, the crazy thing about that is um, if you're not catering your resume to actually touch on the, um, re- the um, specific job description that you're applying for, then you, you're already on the back foot, right? So if you're doing that to just hit um, ATS requirements, um, that's about as far as you're probably going to get at that stage especially if you're doing sort of like a mass um, uh, job applications on all sorts of different uh, job requirements and nothing touches on the actual job description, that's pretty much exactly where uh, you either make it or break it with that, um, with that opportunity. It's important what, what um, well, all the tools that were given here uh, when it comes to searching for a job from the value that you can bring to a company from from modifying your CV, and um, before we jump into the next challenge, which is 
how to avoid burnout, which is also some sort of psychological but important part of looking for a job. Um, a method that I have been that I'm using right now to improve my CV is the STAR method. Would you recommend this for, to people as well? Yeah, I like the STAR method. I like it for interviews, for your resume, whatever it is. The two things that I love about it are one, it it serves as a good reminder that you are selling yourself. You're not selling your product or your team. Uh, a lot of people struggle with taking ownership of the great things that they've done in their career. And I think the STAR method does a good, a good job at reminding people this is about you and the actions you took and the decisions you made and the steps you took. Um, and then I also, of course, love that it ends with a result because that is by far the most important part of any story or any claim you're making. And it is also the most commonly forgotten or most commonly overlooked. Yeah, I definitely agree with you, Carly. Um, I'm going to say that in the about section, there's going to be information about the start method. So that way you can read through that and start applying that in your CV as soon as possible. And it also helps you during interviews, by the way, like how to respond using the start method. Another challenge that happens, especially when you're um, searching jobs, and I'm sure every one of us has gotten to this point, is where you're applying and applying and applying and looking for jobs and getting uh, those automated rejections and to a, to a point where you essentially feel like you're burning out. Um, so, um, Carly, you know, obviously being someone who's uh, helping people kind of navigate this space, um, what would you tell the listeners um, is a good way to uh, avoid search burnout? Yeah, it, it's interesting because to me, burnout is the number one reason why people are not successful in a job search or in a career transition. They ultimately reach a point where they can't keep going. Right. So burnout is incredibly important because it is the number one reason for quote unquote failure. Two things I'll say about avoiding burnout. Number one is you have to be very intentional with your time. What I mean by that is you can't just spend every free second you have looking at open roles, applying to open roles, DMing people on LinkedIn because eventually you're going to burn out from just the output of energy. So when I say be intentional with your time, I mean really look at your week or your day or your month and figure out what's a realistic amount of time I can spend on this every day or every week to where I will still have free time for other things. If every free minute that you're spending when you're you know, watching Netflix or outside with your kids, you're also on your phone applying to jobs. It's just not healthy, right? You have to achieve a balance. And then number two is I would say, and this one is so, so, so helpful, set micro goals along the way. When you just say, oh, my goal is to get a job, that's a very big goal. It could take you a little while to get there. And so what happens is you're putting in all this energy, all this effort, and you don't feel like you're making progress because you haven't hit that big goal yet. So you really need to break it down into smaller chunks so that you feel the progress that you're making. So things like, okay, this week I'm going to try to network with five new people. That's a micro goal. 
then at the end of the week, you could say, all right, you know, I didn't get the job yet, but at least I hit this week's goal. I'm moving forward. I'm making progress. And that's going to really help with your mindset. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think getting that balance is extremely important. Um, I've, I've in my past found myself uh, sitting on a playground with the kids playing and uh, I'm just scrolling through LinkedIn <laughs> trying to find my next job. Um, another thing that, that used to bring me a lot of energy uh, in situations like that was uh, going to ne- um, networking events and meetups and things because um, two, I, I got two things out of that. One is that um, I, it sort of validated my knowledge um, and made me feel like I know what I'm doing and, and to keep going. And the other thing is that you kind of meet people in the same boat and that kind of makes you feel a bit more reassured as well. You're not, you know, sitting there thinking everyone else is getting a job and I'm not, um, it's that it's actually, you know, there, there are a few people out there and, you know, uh, the plus side of that is, you know, lots of leaders go to those uh, sessions as well to look for talents as well, or look out for talent when they do have an open role. So, um, I, I love doing these, uh, meetups and things. And I, I host some in Sydney as well. Uh, sometimes when I have some time just to, just to get people together you know, and, and talk, mm-hmm. um, in, in an informal setting. Um, Katrina, uh, being someone who's, uh, moved to Berlin and had to, you know, find a job and things, uh, have you hit a point, uh, in this process or maybe even in your past as well, where you've hit uh, search burnout and, uh, what are the, some of the things that you did to handle that? Yeah, absolutely. I've hit search burnout, I think a couple of times. <laughs> and, um, one thing that I recently tweaked that has made a huge difference was I decided to um, get an accountability partner, and this really helped significantly. So, for example, we um, I put together a spreadsheet. We added SMART goals. I had mine. She had hers. Uh, this was also, let me just preface this with, um, it's really important to find an accountability partner that is going to show up, who's accountable, who is mm-hmm. understands what you're going through, and you're kind of both in the same boat, but you support each other. And so with, for example, the spreadsheet, it kept us accountable. We put in there our goals to um, what Carly was saying about micro um, goals, put, put those in there on a daily basis. We had Um, We met up once a week. We had a video chat once a week and we talked about, uh, you know, our challenges, what we accomplished, what we wanted to accomplish, the things we were struggling with. um, And it really raised our spirits and kept us on track and made us feel, you know, good about what we were doing. And it really, um, to Carly's point, just you can get crazy with the uh, putting you know, doing this all day long. And so this kind of put a fine point on between these hours, this is when we're going to do X, Y, and Z. And I found it incredibly refreshing to work with an accountability partner. Um, This is somebody that I uh, know on a professional level and we were both in agreement with it and we both found a lot of value in uh, what we're doing for sure. Well, thank you for giving those um, those tools as well. It's always good to have someone next to you who has gone through the same and talk about and brainstorm some ideas. Sadly, time is uh, time is is over now. It's time to end this amazing episode. And um, I do want to say it on my side that um, and this is something we talk in the in the already released episode about emotional intelligence and customer success to try to keep a balance between what you're doing in customer success and your personal life to avoid burnout. We hope that all of these um, challenges that we cover and we gave a lot of tools help you out in your customer success career. Carly, Katrina, any last words maybe that you have for our listeners before we end this uh, the episode? 
Yeah, last words for listeners. I would say hang in there. This job market that we're in right now and customer success is not one that we've really seen before. So you need to almost lower your expectations of yourself. Things aren't going to be as easy as they were two or three years ago. You're going to, it's going to require some learning. It's going to require some new skills like networking. But if it's something that you really want, something that you're committed to, it will happen for you. You just have to be able to roll with the punches and deal with the the market that we're in right now. I agree with Carly that, yeah, you, you, if this is something that you really want and you're committed to it, that it, it's just going to take a little bit more time and um, it's not easy, but it is doable and you just have to get smart and strategic with your time and the way that you go about it. And um, honestly, that's what I found in, um, for example, Carly's Accelerator course just allowed me to really build that skill set up that um, got me to where I am. Yeah. And uh, last words for me, I guess, is um, I've got a, a pipeline of candidates that I'd love to hire, but have no headcount. But the way that I've, I've met these people is through um, um, net, uh, networking and meetups and, uh, you know, things like CS Festival and things like that, where um, I get to actually talk to these people and, and really see what they do um, sort of an, on a large scale um, environment. Um, and so, you know, the moment I have a headcount, this is exactly where I'm going to go to that pool of uh, people that I've um, I've been sort of um, keeping in touch with to make sure that um, I, I know where they're moving, which, you know, how often they're getting a new job and if I can actually go and maybe potentially give them a role um, whenever I have a headcount open. Amazing. 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 Thank you for all of your tips um, in today's episode. And, um, I know it's, it's not easy to be in this market and looking for a job. It's, it's a whole, it's a work that you have to do sometimes is, uh, there's a lot of people going through this. Uh, so also take the time to network, to release yourself, to talk about it, because when we are customer success, we have our responsibilities, but it's the same when you are looking for a job, there's a lot of stuff behind it. And as customer success, we deal with important customers. So I understand the companies when they really want to hire the right person. Thank you, Carly, Katrina, one more time. Nav, it has been a pleasure working with you as well. Pleasure as always, Baron. And thank you so much, Carly and Katrina. Your insight has been great. Welcome back to Customer Success Talks, Real Challenges Experts Advice. Today, we will cover overcoming challenges in the customer success job market. Although we will not focus on how to perform in an interview, we will focus more into how to be seen as a good candidate, or even let's go hire the perfect candidate. Today, we have two amazing guests with us, Katrina Kugemeyer and Carly Agar both with years of experience, and on one side, Katrina gone through this process of trying to find a job, which she has done, and congratulations to you, Katrina. On the other side, we have Carly with a lot of years of experience in career coach. Also, we're going to talk about Carly's Customer Success Career Accelerator, which might benefit you as well. We will touch three main challenges. How to find a job in which you can bring a lot of value. Second, how to highlight your achievements in your CV, and third, how to avoid burnout. 
plus more. We're going to go through strategies and some tips that I need you to stay here with us so you can listen to it. So please sit down, relax, and let me ask you, are you ready? Let's get the conversation started.